in the distillery today, we have Sandy Hemmerlein. She's here to take us through her Los Angeles. She wears many hats, has many accolades, including the founder of the blog Avoiding Regret, field agent for Atlas Obscura, and the SoCal Wanderer for KCET. I don't want to get into too many more details as I want you to explain what you do. Can you take me through what your expertise is? I've been called a historian. I call myself an explorer and an adventurer because it's not just history that I'm interested in, although a lot of the places that I go have some area of historical significance. You know, it really started with me just wanting to explore whatever world I was in, and I lived in New York City for many years. New York City has a certain thing that L.A. does not have, and L.A. has a lot of stuff that New York doesn't have. So when I moved to California in 2011, I'd been actually visiting here for a couple years before that, and uh, I had been told by a very insightful person that L.A. is a hidden city and that what you experience when you first visit is not what it really is. And I took that to heart, and I just started peeling away the layers and looking in all the dark corners and, you know, underneath all the stuff that you see when you first get here and just finding what it had to offer. LA opens its kimono slowly to you. I love that. (laughs) What did you find? I found a lot of history. People say that there's no history in LA and there's so much history. I mean, prehistoric history. There were pygmy mammoths in <laughs> just off an island, you know, in the Pacific Ocean. So, um, but also architectural history and cultural history and obviously, you know, Hollywood history and movie history, but how so many things tie together. Um, you know, I'm still piecing together how water and oil and war and camels and (laughs) wildlife and just nature and all of these things really work together to make a cohesive place. I mean, it it strikes me every day how lucky I am to just look up and see mountains and still be in such an urban environment. And, you know, the, the price we pay is maybe traffic. But for me, that's okay because it's worth the investment, you know, I think more about the investment of time of how long it's going to take me to get to a place and whether or not it's going to pay off. And almost always it does, even if that means I have to drive two hours in rush hour traffic to go watch candy canes being made at Logan Candies in Ontario. If it's the Christmas season and I need a little holiday cheer, that's worth it to me. And maybe it's two hours there and, you know, an hour and a half back, so. (laughs) What were a few pieces of history that really, like, shocked you or or surprised you? You know, um, I really like oddball history. So, you know, uh, things like railroad history, you know, there's a ton of, of just stories about trains in Los Angeles. And without the trains, you know, we wouldn't be in the position that we're in just from a agricultural standpoint, um, you know, just settlements, um, all the Midwestern industrialists that came and basically created Pasadena. But um, I'm thinking in particular of like the Incline Railway, the Mount Low Incline Railway in Altadena. So um, during sort of the golden age of hiking, when uh, people in their long Victorian dresses would like get out and start walking up the mountain on their own. And uh, mountains became a big sort of uh, resort destination. Um, Thaddeus Lowe was a balloonist. 
<laughs> and he created this uh, essentially a funicular to go up the mountain and um, take people to a resort called um, the White City at Echo Mountain, most of which was burned down. But just, you know, the any excuse to go up to the highest point and see the dark skies. There was an observatory there. There was a tennis court. There was a dance floor. There was just so many things to, to feed the... Um, the recreational inclinations of people, but then also the the thirst for knowledge, you know, particularly in the Victorian era when people were really interested in science and animals and they were, you know, um, collecting taxidermied birds in their living room and, and things like that. So it's just, it's so different than what we think of now or even think of uh, outdoorsmanship now where it's a fitness thing or it's a, you know, environmental preservation thing. It was just like, exotic and adventurous and and accessible you know in the like late 1800s so um it's been really interesting to explore that aspect you know which you don't hear a lot about when you hear about LA and what are some of the places where that's still alive today well you can still um hike to Echo Mountain the train is gone you can kind of see where the incline railway used to be and um, you can hike through the lower areas, including Rubio Canyon, which incredibly has a lot of water in it. There used to be catwalks and, and various, it was sort of the, the train station at the bottom. When you walk up to the top, it's not bad. It's 2.5 miles up and, you know, two and a half down, which is easier. But up at the top, you see the ruins, you see the concrete footings from the train, and you can actually continue the hike all the way up to the top of Mount Low, where the Alpine Tavern used to be, um, and there are ruins there, and lots of, you know, old railroad ties and railroad tracks, and there's a preservation group that's actually installed some interpretive signs, so when you're looking at a rock or, you know, a bend in the path, you can see where there used to be a bridge that crossed over the, you know, the crevasse, and, uh, there's even a group that takes you uh, once a year as a fundraiser on a, a vehicular tour of that area. So you can kind of, you know, it, going to places where things used to be is a really good way to see like the layers of time in L.A. Because, of course, there's the original wilderness and then there's man's attempt to conquer the land you know, either through building houses that are cantilevered off a cliff or, you know, she's building hotels out of wood in the middle of the mountains that are susceptible to wildfires, you know, um, and, you know, uh, finding ways, whether it's rail or, or anything else, to get from one place to another the same way that there are all the public stairways that are in um, like Los Feliz and Echo Park and uh, Silver Lake because people lived so up high on the hill and they needed some way to get down to the trolley. You know, we're, we're used to getting food pairings and, and drink pairings. What would be a good pairing of urban and nature um, here in Los Angeles for you? You know, I always like to start the day with nature. I just, uh, you know, morning... Um, 
if you could, there are places where you can go see um, like falconry demonstrations. There is a place where you can walk with a hawk and they do other kinds of um, hawk hikes. And early in the morning is really important for raptors and uh, most birds of prey, other than owls, which are nocturnal, because um, it just gets too hot during the day for them to do anything. And especially if they're trained, a lot of raptors are trained for pest abatement. So um, vineyards will use them to chase the starlings away so they don't have to put out poison, you know, and that's really important just for the ecological balance of um, of everything that we have going on in such an agricultural state. Okay, that's a good morning pick-me-up. Yeah, so, so, about- so you can hold a hawk, you know, <laughs> on your arm or maybe a falcon and watch it fly and dive and chase and, and do all those things. And, uh, and then in the eve, later in the day, the evening, I mean, geez, we have so many classic restaurants that, you know, I mean, going to dinner may sound like a typical experience, but there are so many atypical places in Los Angeles. I live really close to an old school Italian restaurant called Dan Tana's. Was there last night? Ah, it's amazing. It's the best. You can it's a different experience if you sit in the dining room or if you sit at the bar. I like to sit at the bar just because you could get to absorb everything that's happening. You might see Dabney Coleman come in. He's got a steak named after him there. Diane Cannon hangs out there. Um, I saw Mariah Carey there once. Uh, well, isn't that Harry, Harry Dean Stanton's Harry Dean spot? Stanton was a staunch regular. Um, and there are a lot of people when they walk in the door, you know, they are greeted with open arms. The whole staff knows what they eat. Dantana's just came out with their own marinara sauce that you can get at Bristol Farms. I'm so happy because now I can bring a part of Dantana's home with me. What's your favorite plate there? Um, the chicken parm is pretty amazing. So is the broiled whitefish with garlic spinach on the side. There are so many things, but the, the menu is confusing. Courtney, you probably saw this because they're like, it's the chopped salad a la Nikki. And you're like, who's Nikki? And what does that mean? Exactly. <laughs> and, Shot it in mystique. <laughs> Who is Nikki? Nikki uh, Hilton. Nikki Hilton, yeah. <laughs> it's just a really great chopped salad. I think it's probably maybe how she liked it or they just like to honor. I mean, a lot of places are like that. They like to honor their regulars. You know, all the waiters are in tuxedos. The building itself is interesting because it's like a little house and it's on Santa Monica Boulevard where everything's getting really built up. It's right across the street from um, the Melrose Triangle area, which there's a lot of controversy about because the classic dog and cat hospital, um, which has a streamlined modern design and it's one of the last remaining dog and cat hospitals and it was uh, built by sort of the celebrity vet to the stars that's getting torn down for a new development at the Western Gateway of West Hollywood. So um, seeing a little building with a classic green neon sign and, you know, all these old school bartenders, you know, who've been there for 40 or 50 years. It's it's a dying breed of a dining experience. It's also where the Eagles wrote the song Lion Eyes. Wow, that's amazing. Because they literally saw like a young woman with an older guy and they said to each other, like, she can't even hide 
her lion eyes, and then they started scribbling on a napkin. So it's the L.A. girl from Ipanema, I guess. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting because I've always found that people that really stick with L.A. are sort of eternal wanderlusts. They uh-huh. they like atypical sort of evenings or adventures. Do you find that's true to really immerse yourself in the L.A. lifestyle? Yeah, I, as I said, I lived in New York for 14 years. And in New York, your entertainment is essentially just eating and drinking day or night. If you're going to meet a friend, it's let's get a drink, let's brunch. It's always food, restaurant, hospitality-oriented. And in L.A., you know, you can go on a night hike. I mean, sometimes it's, I've like gotten dressed up, gone on a hike in Griffith Park or close to me, Franklin Canyon, which does a lot of like naturalist-led full moon hikes and uh, then go get a drink afterwards uh, or get a drink before and then the hiking's easier. So, (laughs) But, you know, nowhere else that I even know of is there a place where you can, you know, have a steak dinner and a hike in the same night and essentially not drive that far. You know, you do both things in in Beverly Hills, essentially. That's what I was going to ask next. Being from Beverly or living in Beverly Hills... That's not typically a neighborhood that you think of as kitschy or kooky, but what are your strange, bizarre landmarks of Beverly Hills? You know, I live near um, sort of a mid-century motel. It's actually Kitty Corner from Dantana's called the Beverly Terrace. And uh, I kind of fell in love with the architecture of that place. And, and they used to have a parakeet in a cage that they kept out front all the time. So it would always be like my little stop on my way home to say hi to the parakeet. They also have an amazing rooftop pool. Um, so I just kind of love having that like throwback energy. Also, the stretch of um, Beverly Hills at its eastern gateway is uh, Route 66. It's former Route 66. So on the West Hollywood side, and I'm, I'm really right next to West Hollywood, you see um, lots of uh, public art, sculptures, um, restored neon signs that are on loan from the Museum of Neon Art which, by the way, would also be a great way to spend an evening. And uh, and that's also where the trolley used to run. So you can find vestiges, particularly in Beverly Hills, because they've all been pretty much torn up from West Hollywood, of where the train used to run. And you can actually see some leftover tracks. And they haven't really developed some of those plots of land because, you know, there's um, environmental concerns of, you know, just when trains have run over an area for such a long period of time, they worry about, lead and and things like that. They need to clean it up. But it's really interesting sort of urban exploration. And uh, since nobody really walks anywhere, like most people would drive by it and never see it. But I I took a challenge upon myself once to walk from my home to the Century City Mall. And it was difficult because the sidewalk just stops. Oh, right. And then you have to cross. And then it stops again. You have to cross again. So it's sort of like, it's like an urban hike very similar to hiking when you have to do river crossings. The trail ends, cross the river, keep going, cross the river again, you know, except you've got traffic coming at you. <laughs> I would never think of that, but that, that makes complete sense. It feels the same as the hike to the bridge to nowhere. <laughs> so, Sandy, so you wake up in the morning, like, how does one uncover L.A.? You know, a lot of people listening to this podcast are people that are looking to visit L.A. or to explore L.A. if they live here in a new way, And someone, you know, this is what you do for a living. So if a friend or someone from outside of town, if they ask you, you know, how do you how do you figure out L.A.? Because it's so layered and and 
and kind of crazy. Well, fortunately, there are a lot of um, kindred spirits in L.A., and the people who do like to explore its nether regions like to share that information. So there are a lot of blogs out there that um, do try to cover the the off-the-beaten-path places. Obviously, Atlas Obscura, that's a huge function of it, and it was very helpful when I was moving to California and to L.A., um, just to see which places, Murphy Ranch, for instance, is listed in there, uh, the Mount Low Railway is in there. It helped guide at least the first places I was going to pick. But for me, um, between websites like Atlas Obscura and, uh, of course, word of mouth, because I talk to a lot of people wherever I go, I see a lot of stuff on Facebook. People complain about Facebook, but I have discovered so many things on Facebook. There's a tile factory in Gardena, Arto Tile. It has a long history. They've done a lot of tile restoration work at City Hall, at the Roosevelt Hotel, several new places around town. They do factory tours that are free once a month. And I, they were running a sponsored post on Facebook. I'd never heard of them, but I like tile and I like factory tours. And I somehow got served up that ad and it was incredible. I was so happy to meet them. It's still family run and uh, all their ceramic tiles are hand painted. It was such an interesting LA story. And I saw it on Facebook. And what was the oddest or strangest thing you've encountered in, in, on your path here? Uh, or some of them? You know, I um, some of the oddest things are some of the best. So one of the best experiences I've had was going to the private home of someone who lived, I think, in Reseda, which is, you know, sort of still agricultural. And he has a tremendous collection of fancy pigeons in his backyard um, that he has, <laughs> he has bred... <laughs> selectively bred to express certain characteristics. So whether it's a hood of feathers or whether it's curly feathers on the wings or sort of like, um, you know, the feathers that cover their feet. I mean, some of these birds are bred in a way that they can't really move, you know, because they're almost sculptural pieces. And this is kind of a throwback to, to Victorian times as well. But he's, you know, a member of the L.A. Pigeon Club. Who knew? And, uh, you know, he has masterminded a lot of types of birds that you will never really see anywhere else unless you go to the annual pageant of pigeons. (laughs) It's just pretty weird, too. Is that here in L.A.? It's, um, I can't remember what town it's in, but it's close by. I think it's in the Inland Empire yeah, we have it's, to it's go. Clo- it's like in Ontario or one of those towns in a convention center. I'm sensing a little bird fetish on your behalf. Right? I love birds. From like hawks to chicken yeah. parm oh, yeah. to pigeons. But oh, oh, that's sad. <laughs> um, can you? I do like birds. Can you tell me one more bird-related thing that you can do in LA? Uh, well, let's stretch it here. Uh, you know, we have uh, lots of wild peacocks. That, Where? Uh, um, the Palos Verdes, there are a ton of them. They've become a nuisance just because they're a really loud bird. Um, you can see wild peacocks at the Arboretum, the Los Angeles Arboretum in Arcadia. And um, there's a little tiny sort of, it's almost a ghost town called Cornell. Most people would call it Agora Hills. Um, that's where the Cornell Winery is. There's a restaurant, an old roadhouse restaurant called The Old Place, and it's across the street from um, one of the ranches that's part of the Santa Monica Mountains National Recreation Area, Peter Strauss Ranch. 
So that whole little enclave there is called Cornell. And they have, I think, two wild peacocks that just kind of hang around and scream from the trees. And <laughs> and they're tremendous birds. I mean, usually the the ones that you see with the big displays of feathers are the males. It's in the in the peafowl species. It's, it's the male's for, job. For- Peacocks to get some feminist yeah. help, right? <laughs> oh, the green, yeah. The, the the pea hens can just like sit back and let the guys do all the work, <laughs> which is <laughs> kind of nice for a change. <laughs> After we've done our hair and makeup in the morning. <laughs> Incredible. I, so what are you doing next? Anything exciting coming up this weekend? Um, I just came back from a wedding in Arizona. Um, so I was in the Phoenix area and did quite a bit of exploration there. I came a day early and left a day late, um, to kind of bookend all the wedding experiences. And I have a trip out of town again to, um, sort of Northern Nevada. I'm going to Eli, uh, to take some historic trains and spend the night in a caboose. So, and then there's some mining well, let's history be real. There. Once you explore LA, there's not really anywhere. <laughs> yeah, what keeps you coming back, right? Oh, I'm so, you know, people ask, like, are you in LA to stay? And it's like, I, there's nowhere I'd rather come home to. I mean, sure, Wanderlust takes me sometimes out of state or, you know, even out of the country. Um, but LA uh, constantly keeps me fascinated. I mean, I, I do work, I have a full time job, and, and then my two side jobs are all about Southern California between Atlas Obscura and KCET. And it's great to take, you know, what other people might look at as vacation time and really turn it into something that's um, helpful to other people. I've created a a Google map of just all the places that I've been. So when people say, you know, I'm going to be in in Inglewood, where should I go? And I'll say, have you seen my map? So I'll send them a link to my Google map. You know, it's on my website. Can we access your Google map? Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah, and it's just, you know, it's not categorized in any way. It's just all the places I've been, but I only put places on there that I would recommend and that have some kind of, you know, artistic, cultural, historical, architectural, environmental significance. You know, obviously I'm not going to put any old gas station on there, but if it's a gas station with an animatronics display out front— like in SEMA, California, then I'll do that. So this episode is S is for So Long Suckers. And basically the premise is, imagine this is your last day on Earth. And your last day on Earth happens to be in Los Angeles. What would you do? I think I would want to cover as much ground as possible. Um, So... And and be specific about places and things. I mean, I would want to drive all the way down Wilshire, past all of, you know, through Miracle Mile into, um, you know, Koreatown, past all of the neon signs and uh, the Bullock's Wilshire building and uh, all those old apartment complexes. It's very old Hollywood there. If my last day on earth were tomorrow, I'd like to go to Langer's and have a number 19 because I've not done that yet. I haven't been there yet. And I do feel like that's a... Can you explain? Oh, Langer's Deli, um, which is on the corner of MacArthur Park. Sort of a old school, you know, sandwich place. Similar, I think, in people's minds to like Philippe's. Um, but instead of French dip, they're famous for, you know, corned beef and pastrami. And what's the number 19? Uh, number 19 is like coleslaw, Russian dressing, 
pastrami and corned beef and lettuce and tomato on, I think, rye bread. Yeah, but you can get, you know, hot pastrami, cold pastrami, roast beef. You can, I mean, they, it's a, you know, build your own um, heart attack there for sure. Yeah. But the number 19 <laughs> is, is for some reason the one that's really become famous with Locals and tourists alike. So. All right, so you went through Wilshire. You, you uh-huh, got, stopped you got at your Langers. nourishment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now what? So uh, I'd also like to head to Mulholland Drive and just do that whole drive. I love the scenery. When I first started coming to L.A., it was if I had some time to kill in between meetings or, you know, an hour before dinner or whatever, I would just drive on Mulholland. Is Maybe, there anything specific at Mulholland where we should stop and, and check out? There or? are several overlooks. Um, and, you know, you Pass uh, the upper entry of Runyon Canyon. You go through Coldwater Canyon. It's just like so. It, the the view changes from the left side to the right side. Yet there's trees and then there's open. You kind of experience like the desert and mountainous and forested areas of of LA, kind of all in one little short drive. And uh, and then from the western end of it, you can go down to the beach. I mean, I would certainly want to watch the the sunset at Santa Monica, you know, at Will Rogers Beach or the Palisades Park, which is a really good area to watch it. You know, and I would hit, I would hit, you know, some of the favorites are favorites for a reason. Santa Monica Pier, I love that Ferris wheel that's solar powered. That's in the Atlas as I well. I did not know it was solar powered. It's solar powered. And it has all different light patterns at night. Um, and then basically right across the street from the pier, you can go get a martini at uh, Shea J, which is a old little dive bar, so tiny, but wasn't that where Kennedy and Marilyn Monroe used to have their secret get-togethers? Probably, That's what I heard. it yeah. seems like that kind of place. <sighs> Love this city. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and not far from there is is the Galley, which is a nautical-themed bar with lots of uh, lit-up puffer fish hanging from the ceiling, and you know has sort of a, a tiki vibe, but um, more just like old-school dive bar. I mean, I think maybe on my last day in LA, I'd be interested in just maybe older L.A., you know, the, a stepping back in time before I take my last breath. So when you first asked me the question, I was wondering, oh, do I want to try to go places that I've never been before? But I wouldn't want to go to the new places I haven't been yet. It would be what places are am I missing from the sort of you know, the more timeless narrative of Los Angeles. Because, you know, there are so many places that are left over, okay, from the late 1800s, some. But from 1930, basically, to present, there is so much that has been built, you know, after and during the Depression with the Works Progress Administration. There was just such a building boom in the 1930s. And if you look... At a lot of sidewalks, they're stamped with 1930 whatever. I feel like some of the reasons why people don't think L.A. as a historical place is because its history is timeless. You know, even its historical value feels fresh and new and and kind of, you know, forward-thinking and and, and forward-shaping, you know, even architecture or, you know, how it integrates. You know, this whole idea of integrating nature into the urban element is such a new thing, but it's it's basically the foundation of of what Los Angeles is. That's right. When you see new buildings with giant glass panels to allow natural light in, it's like, well, okay, John Lautner was doing that, you know, in the 1940s. Um, Yeah. Okay, so your day is ending. 
Uh-huh. You have two more places you can go. I want to hit Bob's Big Boy in Burbank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not for any particular food, but just to be there. I just love it. I hope my last day on Earth is when they do the car show there on Friday nights. Because, you know, uh, to me, L.A. is in- inextricably linked with classic cars. Um, not just, you know, Priuses that you see on the road now, but just the car culture, the obsession with, you know, not only having a nice set of wheels yourself, but race cars and uh, the midget racing that used to happen at that, not midget people, but midget race cars. (laughs) 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 Let me be clear. (laughs) At um, where the original farmer's market is now, Gilmore Stadium used to have car racing there. And uh, the farmer's market still has one of those little midget race cars on display. One of the places I would definitely want to do on my last day, if this is ideal last day, everything's open 24 hours, is take a a ride at the Automobile Driving Museum. So um, like the Peterson, it has a historic collection of cars, and many of those cars have actually um, been ridden in the Rose Parade. It's been part of the procession. On Sundays you know, in an ideal scenario, this would happen every day at the Automobile Driving Museum. Mm -hmm. They have a ride-along day. So every week they choose three cars in their collection. And it could be anything from a Model T to a DeLorean. And they'll drive you around in it. And all three, just for the price of the admission. Incredibly of the informative. Museum. Yeah. yeah. So so in reality, that happens every Sunday until 3 p.m. In my ideal um, last day on earth, it would happen the same night as the Bob's Big Boy car show. Well, luckily, this is our last episode. <laughs> so we can go from here straight to the DeLorean cruise. Yeah. All right. So you did all of that. Uh-huh. You know, luckily, you already drove before you had a, one final drink. Uh-huh. So where would be your end of the world, end of Los Angeles, end of the day's nightcap drink oh. to kind of close this, this show out? I think it would be at Tiki Tea. Why? Tell, tell us In about Tiki Tea. In Los Feliz. It's... Um, Again, one of these tiny little buildings that the world has um, been built up around. And uh, it's still family run after, you know, almost 60 years. It's an explosion of visual delights of tiki totems and lanterns and, again, puffer fish and and things like that. And also just dozens of tiki mugs from regulars that keep them there. So they always have their own mug to drink out of. Um, well, and tiki culture is very LA, right? Can you kind of talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, tiki culture, people think of it as like a Hawaiian thing. It's really Californian. I mean, starting with essentially Don the Beachcomber in Hollywood, um, which grew to be a huge chain, uh, although now the last California Don the Beachcomber, uh, which was in Huntington Beach, just closed. But even that had only been there for about 10 years. But, you know, we're seeing a huge resurgence of tiki right now. We have certain older tiki bars that are getting renewed attention, like Tiki Tea, like Tonga Hut in North Hollywood, which is the oldest tiki bar in the L.A. area. And that is going to celebrate its 60th anniversary just coming up. There's an incredible vintage culture in Los Angeles. You know, there's... The Art Deco Society of Los Angeles that has events where everyone is dressed to the T in period, not just period appropriate, but like exactly from that era vintage clothing that's impeccably put together. 
you know, I'm lucky if I find a modern dress that's sort of vintage inspired that sort of works. You know, there's the all the Gatsby parties that happen. There's rockabilly culture and pinup culture. And then, you know, the you go to a tiki bar and there are people like in full tiki regalia and they're the nicest people you'll ever meet. So I think people just like who want to go to a bar and have a delicious drink that has some history behind it. And uh, be surrounded with really nice people and, you know, support a local family-run business in a neighborhood that's cool and you can get snacks and delicious things and other drinks, you know, nearby within walking distance. So in theory, your last day in Los Angeles, you would need like a month, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, at least a month. But, you know, I can sometimes I have limitless energy when there's like another place I want to go to. I mean, I have driven from Death Valley back to L.A. and then gone out for a night of dancing at the Cicada Club downtown. People are like, weren't you in Death Valley this morning? I'm like, yep, but I made it here. (laughs) Just, you know, we have very limited time on this earth, and L.A. has an embarrassment of riches when it comes to things that are fascinating, entertaining, um, educational, inspirational, you know, and things that you'll remember for the rest of your life. So, you know, I figured I can sleep tomorrow or I can sleep next year, you know, whenever I'm done. I don't think I'll ever be done with L.A., so I may never sleep. That's amazing. Well, thank you for sharing Los Angeles with us. Sandy, that was incredible. Thank you. Really incredible. Oh, my God, I can't wait to do all these things. Do you have any last messages for people coming to L.A.? Um, What to expect? My biggest piece of advice is that L.A. is better to live in than it is to visit. So anyone who's curious about moving to California and is sort of discounted L.A. as a potential place to live, I would say find a friend that needs a house sitter, spend a week or two or a month here and see what it's like to live here because it's far superior to being a visitor when you're just in Hollywood or just in Santa Monica or just downtown and trying to take it all in and things don't quite make sense and nobody's taking the time to really explain it to you. You know, the onus is on you to figure it out and the reward is there, but it takes time. I've been here for seven years and the first four were kind of rough. You know, it was a little isolating and lonely and tough and different from what I had grown up with. But I had a sense of destiny that this is where I was supposed to be and that I did belong here. I just hadn't really found the members of my tribe yet. And Alice Obscura has been great for that, to meet kindred spirits that are, you know, people who are wacky like me and even wackier. You know, we are the island of misfit toys, but it turns out that that island is a lot bigger than I thought it ever would be. So find your kindred spirits, find other people, you know, through Meetup or Facebook or just go to stuff by yourself. Don't worry about not having people to go with. You will always find people when you share an interest with them. I go to the Bob Baker Marionette Theater. You were talking about puppets earlier just by myself with all the preschoolers. (laughs) And then I become friends with the people that work at the theater, you know, and that's become one of the biggest places for me. You know, if I'm having a bad day, I'll just go watch a puppet show. It just makes me feel a whole lot better. Sandy, that was super comprehensive. And (laughs) your love and adoration for the city really shines through. So thank you again for being with us. Thank you so much. 